As recent discussions have become more frequent surrounding the doctrinal issues dealt with in the papal encyclical Humanae Vitae, we would like to present a special edition encore of our program entitled Contraception. Please enjoy this second helping of the Catholic Cafe. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. And welcome to the Catholic Cafe, not to be confused with the Catholic Cafeteria, which of course has been closed by papal decree. And I am Deacon Jeff, once again broadcasting from the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm joined at the virtual hip by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Tom Dorian. Tom. Hello, Deacon Jeff. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm great. How are you? You look like you're doing great with that big old stack of pancakes there. I'm hungry, Tom. It's going to be interesting to hear how you wolf that down on the air. Without making any noise. Exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, keep me honest, Tom. I didn't know you could have pancakes with chocolate ice cream uh. and sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. All right. Back on track. So, Tom, today we're, uh, we're focusing on a topic that has troubled many of our listeners of all faiths. Can be controversial. But I do want to take this opportunity to let our listeners know that our topic today is of a mature nature, and uh, we're going to discuss contraception from a Catholic perspective, and uh, we'll endeavor to present it in a way that does not offend, but we ask that you consider who is listening and make a judgment for you and your family about their ability to handle this mature right. Uh, material. Right. So with this disclaimer out of the way, uh, I'd like to welcome our guest today. Uh, as she makes her way to the luxurious corner booth, I'd like everyone listening to uh, welcome Sister Francine. She's a, a sister of the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, she teaches religion and theology in high school, as well as moral theology at Aquinas College in Nashville. Sister, welcome to the Catholic Cafe. Well, it's wonderful to be here and uh, join you in a cup of coffee and watch you eat those pancakes. So, <laughs> lovely. I feel, like, I feel like everyone is watching me. <laughs> it's quite a sight. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> the way I wanted to start was perhaps to uh, put everything in a frame of reference from, uh, from a point of view of sacred scripture. Uh, one of the scriptures I like to quote or talk about when we are actually discussing this particular topic is uh, uh, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, and he writes in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And we as Catholics are, are very fond of using our bodies in, in worship. Uh, we're the ones that sit, stand, and kneel. We smell the incense. We hear the bells. We use our bodies in worship of God, and we know that they're good and they were created by God. And so we want to keep that in the frame of reference, do we not, sister, as we're talking about contraception and its effect on society today? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's start with this concept of contraception. And you can't talk about contraception unless you're first talking about uh, some of the major uh, church documents or encyclicals, as we call them, that have come from Rome uh, that we all use as a frame of reference. And I know that we're actually celebrating uh, some anniversaries of some very important church documents uh, at this time, are we not? 
Yes, we're celebrating the anniversary of Humanae Vitae, that's of human life. It was uh, printed in 1968, and also um, the Dignity of Women. Um, The first one was written by Pope Paul VI, and then the one on Dignity of Women was written by Pope John Paul II. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, sometimes we only see the importance of some of these documents in hindsight, and I think that's particularly true of the document on human life. Humanae Vitae, I know for a fact, was very controversial. It was uh, it was a it was a ticking bomb that exploded on not only the church but the entire world at a time when the world was changing. And apparently, the church said, "No, we're not." And uh, this was quite a, a a controversial thing. So, let's go back to before it came out, 1968. What was it like in 1968? Well, let's go back a little bit before that because you know, up until 1930, all churches condemned uh, contraception. And it wasn't until 1930, 1931, that the Anglican Church uh, pulled away from this. But all the the laws on uh, the in the, around the nation, you know, they were all against contraception, and they were made by Protestant legislators. Um, it was seen as um, a great source of uh, sexual license, and it was considered something an upright society wouldn't do. But then you start to have, you know, like a change uh, come along. And uh, what happened was, um, at that particular time, there weren't really any uh, convenient forms of contraception or effective ones available. But now the pill, as they call it, um, was being developed. And, and that had a, um, a, a great effect, I think, on, uh, on our society. Um, it's an interesting fact that, you know, not up until 1963 was there any even debate in the Catholic Church about contraception. Um, when the Anglican Church did, you know, talk about breaking away from this, um, Pope Pius Eleventh wrote um, an encyclical on Christian marriage, and um, that kind of clarified, once again, the Church position. So up until, like, 1960, you know, um, Close to 70% of Catholics around that were, were really living faithful to the church teaching. And that, by 1995, had, had simply reversed, which is a very interesting phenomenon. So I think in 1995, I think it was measured. Some measurements have said some, you know, close to 80% of, of Catholics might be contracepting at that, at that point in time. And we don't even really have accurate figures for what's going on right now. So it, it could be even higher. Uh, yes. Very distressing. Mm-hmm. Sister, why, why did Catholics stop listening to the to church teaching? Well, you know, there were some seemingly very good reasons. Um, Dr. Janet Smith uh, outlines these quite well in, in uh, several uh, papers that she's written on the topic. And she says that one of them was the fear of overpopulation. And I think that's one that people even talk about today, that there's, you know, we're having too many people on the earth, the population is doubling. And the fact of the matter is, although the population has doubled, there's... Um, the projections for the future are not valid because that population doubling had to do more with people living longer, having better health, babies not dying at birth. I know statistics show that the United States of America could actually feed the entire world. Absolutely. You know, there's plenty of food, so all these dire predictions of the world coming to an end because there'd be all of these people living shoulder to shoulder just haven't come about. You're quite right. The, one of the other reasons was um, the increase in, in uh, what we call sometimes feminism. Um, women could, uh, if they could control their fertility, they could control how many children they had, and then they could uh, go out into the workforce and share their gifts and talents and, and develop these. 
um, which, you know, seemed like a good thing at that particular point. And the, the third reason um, that was given would there be a decrease in the number of unwanted pregnancies and thus a decrease in abortions. Well, let's go to what the, uh, what the Holy Father was saying. I mean, obviously, in uh, Pope Paul VI, in Humanae Vitae, is condemning contraception. You know, uh, wasn't there a committee studying this issue along with uh, the Holy Father? And, and they were actually, recomm- I had heard they were actually recommending that this ban on contraception be lifted. Yes, they were. And people were just shocked when um, the Pope did not follow what his committee recommended. Um, our Holy Father came out with some um, predictions that if contraception was re- really became quite the norm in our, in our culture, that four things would happen. He predicted, first of all, that there'd be a general lowering of morality in society. And I don't, you know, anyone who is a little bit older in our audience, and you, certainly you and I, we know what it was like in she's the 60s to you, and Tom. 70s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she looked at me for some reason with well, my gray hair, but I think she's talking I think to you. She's talking to everybody. Well, I can remember I Love Lucy and a few other of those shows yeah. where, you know, it was very innocent and you just didn't have any, any time. The, the morality. If you listen to um, some of the, uh, or if you watch some of the old movies, there was a certain sense of. Um, what is polite? Oh, and there was a, a, a strong emphasis on family, the importance mm-hmm. of family, the importance of good moral, high moral values. Absolutely. Those were, those were, and of course, you look now, and you can't spend five minutes on the television without being tempted in, in one way or another, whether it's sexually or, or power or, or money or whatever uh, your weakness might be, it's there on TV. And our children are so exposed to this, yeah. too, the music they listen to. I mean, um, one of the, the things that Dr. Janet Smith is, talks about, the frog in the water effect, which many people might be familiar with. If you put a frog in a boiling water, it's just going to jump right out. But if you just put the frog in and it's kind of lukewarm and then you heat it up and you heat it up gradually gradually pretty soon you can cook that frog and that might be what's happened to our culture you know gradually gradually all of the barriers that really protected us have been you know knocked down one by one and we have been desensitized Mm -hmm. to a lot of what is our moral values used to be the second one that, that our Holy Father predicted was the general disregard for the physical and psycho, psychological well-being of women by men. And if you look at some of the sexual abuse statistics um, and pornography, I read something relatively recently that the um, pornography, the num- amount of money they make on pornography is more than all of the professional sports put together that they make in their um, operation. And even if we wow. don't know the exact amount or number, we know it's huge. It is. And it has been so destructive in uh, across the board in all faiths and mm-hmm. all faith traditions. All uh, you, you name the church, there are issues that people have had in that in that particular area in terms of addiction, and it's destroyed families. It has. And and there's like sixty percent of well, one of one of the statistics that I've read was sixty percent of those living in poverty are single women with children. So that is certainly a, a disregard for, you know, women and, and young people, mm-hmm. the, you know, the most vulnerable of society. Um, the third prediction he talked about was uh, governments uh, would start to use family planning um, in coercive ways. And it's interesting if you think about how we tie our economic aid to third and fourth world countries. You know, we can't just give them food. We have to make sure we have contraceptives in there. They have to accept that as if, you know, that's going to fix their problem. 
and usually the problems caused by political problems or natural disaster, not because of, you know, too many children. And governments, we've seen it, I think, you know, with the recent, you know, the, the um, things in the news about China. You know, the one child per family and the forced uh, abortions and sterilizations. We've just seen that that come true. I do uh, want to continue in this uh, track, but I do also want to mention that you can visit us on the web here at the Catholic Cafe. www.thecatholiccafe.com is our website. Finally, we'd love to hear from you. My email address is Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Tom and I will be right back with our guest, Sister Francine, in just a moment, so stay with us. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. The 1960s were tumultuous time for America. The Vietnam War was raging, The assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King shocked the world. Hippies held love-ins. Draft cards were burned. Scientists told us we were overpopulating our fragile planet. Feminists told women to get out of the kitchen. Then there was Woodstock, the Cold War, astronauts on the moon, free love, and the pill. Bob Dylan was right. The times, they were a-changing. In the midst of this era of great moral uncertainty, when the lines between right and wrong, good and evil, became increasingly blurred, came one of the most beautiful and impactful documents in church history, Humani Vitae, subtitled On the Regulation of Birth. Humani Vitae was promulgated by Pope Paul VI as a defense of the clear and constant teaching of the church that unnatural forms of birth control were immoral and intrinsically evil. While there was some support for the document, it was not universally well-received. In fact, an unprecedented wave of criticism and dissent was unleashed from within the church, as well as ridicule and contempt from without. In short, it went off like a bomb. But as the church has always done since she was founded on the Rock of Peter some 2,000 years ago, she stood up not for what a fallen world thought was right, but for what God thought was right. In defending her singular stance against the immoral use of contraceptives, she stated in section 18 of Humani Vitae, It is not surprising that the Church finds herself a sign of contradiction, just as was Christ, her founder. But this is not reason for the Church to abandon the duty entrusted to her of preaching the moral law firmly and humbly, both the natural law and the law of the gospel. Since the Church did not make either of these laws, she cannot change them. She can only be their guardian and interpreter. Thus, it would never be right for her to declare as morally permissible that which is truly not so. For what is immoral is by its very nature always opposed to the true good of man. By preserving the whole moral law of marriage, the Church knows that she is supporting the growth of a true civilization among men. Humane Vitae continues to be a source of consternation for those who would oppose church teaching, but it also continues to be a beacon of light for a world desperately in need of a constant, unchanging truth. I'm Vester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. 
And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff here with Tom Dorian. Tom, you ready to uh, to continue on with our conversation with Sister Fancy? I'm ready. I think we need to get uh, Pam, our waitress, to uh, get us a couple of refills, don't you think, Sister? Sure, I can use one. All right. Wonderful. Well, while Pam is on her way over here to uh, refill our cups of coffee, let's pick up right where we left off. And uh, we were just talking about the predictions that were made in Humanae Vitae by Pope Paul VI. And you got through three of them. So what was that fourth prediction that he made? Well, the fourth one, he, he talked about treating our bodies as machines and no longer having respect for our um, bodies as human persons. And if you look at the surrogate motherhood um, practice that we have, if you look um, at the fact that any woman can buy a baby, you know, uh, it, it's it, we have we have really fulfilled that. So it seems obvious anyone looking at the world today, it seems obvious that Pope Paul was correct in his predictions. Now, are there also some statistics or anything that bear this out? Well, if you just look at the divorce rate, um, in the 1960s, it was 25 percent. 1975, it was 50%. That is, you know, a doubling in about 15 years. Um, Contraceptive has really contributed to the divorce rate. Um, people uh, use, uh, are starting to have uh, fewer children, and they're having them later on in, in their marriages. Uh, and the data shows that people who have babies sooner in marriage have longer-lasting marriages. Um, and people who have children also become instantaneously almost nicer people because of all the sacrifices they have to make. I always, you know, tell my students it's it's a wonderful way to be holy. Marriage is a great maker of saints. Um, with contraception, you've had uh, a lot more adultery because um, there's the fear, uh, lack of fear of being pregnant. You've taken a variable out of the equation that actually makes it a little bit m- I guess, easier to do the wrong thing. Exactly. And women have become more financially independent, so they don't have to, you know, think twice. Well, you know, I can just walk away from this. I can handle it myself. And if you look in our high schools and college, there's a big problem with um, people being sexually active um, before marriage. You know, sister, some people argue that that living together or being sexually active helps people prepare for marriage. How how do you respond to that? Well, the statistics um, really can respond for me. They, 75% of those who live together and have sex together get divorced within the first three years of marriage. Now, that's a huge number. We, we, we need to stop, and we yeah. need to say that number again, because the people think that it's a good thing. You know, I know I've heard the, uh, the example of test driving a car. You know, you wouldn't go buy a car without having driven it. Maybe you want to drive several, you know, to get the right car just for you, and if you treat you know, speaking as a man, if you treat a woman that way, she becomes a car and you want to test drive and you think, well, I'm going to find a great car. But then what we're finding out is your car is gone. That's 75% right. 75% of the time that's, in three years. Yeah, that's not a very good resale rate. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, one of the other um, problems is um, oxytocin, which is a, a hormone that helps with bonding. And when people repeatedly um, are intimate with people, uh, different people, it no longer works as it's supposed to do so that weakens the marriages and then it's also emotionally painful to be in um, many relationships with different people and I think particularly painful on women um, some of the other statistics that you asked me about uh, we know we thought there would be fewer unwanted pregnancies and yet between 1960 and 1992 the number doubled as far as babies who were born out of wedlock and I think that's quite shocking um, abortion has skyrocketed, and um, my students can tell you why. It's a, abortion is a backup to contraception. 
It's very clear, very simple, very plain. We even have our Supreme Court um, stating this in one of its decisions in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and I quote, For two decades, couples have based their intimate relationships on the availability of abortion um, should contraception fail. So our society has truly become a contraceptive society. That whole argument that contraception or for contraception was that it was going to lower the number of abortions. There will be fewer unwanted pregnancies, and actually the the opposite has occurred, exponentially, in fact. Well, you know, it's amazing that Pope Paul could foresee all of these negative consequences, that all these things, that would, would his predictions would come true. And so what is our Catholic reasoning that Pope Paul would be so insightful? Was he just a learned man, or was he a wonderful, good-hearted man? Did he read a lot of books? What was his, uh, his reasoning for knowing all this stuff? Well, because he is Pope, he possesses the gift of infallibility when teaching in faith or morals. Now, I wouldn't ask him for what horse to bet on, but <laughs> when it comes to faith or morals, you can be sure that what he teaches is of God because this was promised to us through the apostolic succession. Um, but you don't really need faith even to come down on this issue at the same point that uh, Pope uh, Paul did. Natural law can prove it. So, um, you know, what the Catholic Church teaches most of the time can also be proven to people who have no faith. John Paul II wrote a wonderful encyclical called Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason. And, mm-hmm. and he ties those two together that, you know, good faith has good reason behind it. And they make sense. And that's where natural law comes, comes into play as well. Now, I know I've had several people mm-hmm. who talk to me. I, I don't know if you know this, sister, but I'm a father of nine children. Uh, oh, God bless you. Oh, thank you. I need all those blessings. But I do have several people who will say things. They'll start the conversation into uh, contraception again, and I'll tell them that the Catholic Church is, is dead set against contraception for very good reasons, and we've outlined many of those here. I will, at that point, point out that, well, there is an option for those who don't want to uh, who don't want to contracept but have very serious and grave reasons for not being able to have a child in the immediate time frame so you know for health reasons for extreme financial dire reasons that they're not able to and so then we talk about natural family planning the conversations usually get to well okay so you're a catholic you don't contracept however you use natural family planning for the same end is natural family planning then the same as contracepting no not at all contraceptives are hostile to new life and many contraceptives including the pill are uh, abortifacients in other words they cause abortions just stop there again too because that's something that so many people don't realize that when they use the pill there is a chance that they are actually aborting a baby and they don't realize that they think that it's preventing Impregnation, and in a lot of cases it does. But a lot of times when that, that impregnation has taken place, it's aborted. That's right. And so that they are actually causing an abortion in their bodies. And I know many doctors who are, um, I know many doctors have explained this and say that they don't uh, prescribe uh, the contraceptives, the pill, because of that very fact. And there are many other effects the pill has on the woman's body that we don't have time to go into. Um, But with natural family planning, a couple is always open to new life. Um, In contraception, basically there's an incomplete um, sexual expression of love because it's not a true gift of the total self. You're withholding that great gift of new life from your spouse. 
in natural family planning, it is the total gift of the self, the gift of the whole person to the other person, nothing held back. And this actually mirrors that gift that God gave us. Yes. The marital act is actually mirrors that same love that God has for us. And it actually foreshadows our relationship with God. I mean, God totally gave of himself quite literally in the, in the form of Jesus on the cross. He gave of himself mm-hmm. totally, 100%. And so here we're asked this task on earth to totally give of ourselves 100% everything and not hold anything back to our spouses. Absolutely. Um, the, one of the last reasons I'd like to give is when you're uh, uh, practicing contraception, sometimes you just keep going on and on and you never evaluate it, you know. Um, should we have a baby now or do we want to have a baby or why, why did we even start this? Whereas people who are practicing natural family planning frequently have that conversation. You know, it's like, why are we doing this? Why are we abstaining now? And go over those reasons and then realize, well, maybe the situation that was there before isn't there. There's a lot more communication. And, you know, those who abstained um, before marriage have no problem with abstaining periodically during marriage because they've learned other ways to um, express their affection and love. And so they have better self-control. It's interesting to look at the divorce rate in terms of people practicing natural family planning as opposed to the rest of the population. And just some rough numbers, if you had 200 couples Maybe 100 might divorce in society. That's a 50% divorce mm-hmm. rate, which is fairly typical, even among Catholics. Yes, that's right. Sadly so. But people who practice nat- natural family planning would have maybe one or two divorces in that same 200. One or two. One or two because wow. of the intimacy. The great it, it, it draws couples together. We've talked about that, um, that self-mastery. Uh, the fact that it strengthens marital chastity and, uh, and devotion to each other. It, it, you've mentioned that it improves the communication between those, uh, between those spouses, and it increases the responsibility and thoughtfulness towards each other. You be, you're no longer objects. You're now, you know, uh, co-partners in creation, you know, doing God's will. So that's beautiful. That's wonderful. When we do think God's way, everything goes better. Mm-hmm. There is nothing Amen. wrong with that, sister. Well, sister, um, we truly appreciate your taking the time to join us today. And, you know, this is such an incredibly important topic for, for the world today. Uh, and I hope that we've covered that in this program uh, that what we have covered can at least open some doors for some further uh, prayerful and thoughtful discussion on the part of our listeners. Uh, Tom, do you uh, tend to agree? Absolutely, Deacon Jeff. Wonderful. So thanks again, sister. And uh, now what I'd like to do is uh, if you all will join me uh, as we consider all that we've heard today and we offer a word in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the gifts which you have given us, especially the gifts of our bodies. We know that they are good and holy because you made them. Help us to use them in a way that glorifies you so that they may become temples of your spirit and living tabernacles for your Son, Jesus. We ask you to grant this through our Lord, Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.